All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of Kung Fu killer, lots of what if Bruce Lee played show enough? Let's get to it. And every day I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? What's going on, Sifu? How are you? Good, good. So here we are uh, for another episode of the Kung Fu Genius done through our new streaming setup here. Hopefully the audio is a little bit better hopefully. than last time. Uh, and of course, we're still going to record episodes together in the studio. But like I mentioned last time, because of our schedules with your work and everything I have going on, it's been a little difficult for us to meet together face to face, which is why we created the whole fake we fired Dre thing when in reality we just <laughs> we just couldn't be in the same room together because we were both too busy, right? That's why right. we have to record through this uh streaming Man. uh service. So of course we know that there were some audio issues and things like that with uh the first few episodes. It was also funny because I said like at the beginning of last episode, I'm like, oh I apologize, mm -hmm. there's some audio issues. And then the number of comments were like yeah, what's up with the audio? No, no, no. Because it's like I literally said in the episode, we'll fix it. And then it's yes. like people just ignore you and just go, well, let me give you all oh, my man. audio engineering advice, right? So right. Um, anyway, uh, so just uh, want to welcome everyone to the Kung Fu Genius Podcast. We're going to do another Ask Me Anything episode today. The next episode we're going to do is going to be recorded live. It's a live stream just for our Patreons at first. Just for the Patreons. Will, but we will release that episode for... Uh, for our general uh, viewers and listeners uh, the following week, but we're going to do okay. like a private in-house Patreon uh, stream uh, so that we can answer all of the Patreon questions. Patreons so that'll be get the it next so week. good. They do. They do. They get everything. They get all my they IG reels, they, uh, the subscriber-only yeah. reels. They get uh, early content. And then also wow. there's just like some videos that I have uh, that are a little bit more rare and like I'll just, you know, post it on there for uh for our patreon so yeah if you want to support the kung fu genius uh the best way to support us is on patreon that's uh, patreon.com slash the kung fu genius so we have youtube questions for today's episode so mm -hmm. what do you have for me dre i got first out the gate sifu cuddle yeah awesome nice okay what you got yo Thanks for the shout out. And this episode was great as usual, but I think Bob Marley would rank top of the list of other Bobs. Oh, I that, <laughs> that was a Dreisen crazy. Although there may not have been a direct connection with Bruce. Right. Hmm. I don't know. I've got two maybe. questions for you, KFG. Uh -huh. In the Donnie Yen film, Kung Fu Killer, there's talk about each victim being an expert of one of four disciplines, hand techniques, seizing and, lock, seizing and locking, legs and kicking techniques, and weaponry. Weaponry as far as kun fat, tio fat, kum na, suit fat, mohe. Yes. Uh, oh, I, I almost put yeah. that one. Yeah. Are these legitimate martial art culture references or are they just movie plot magic? Ooh, that is that is a fantastic question. Yeah, gate. that's a really good question. Um, oh, oh yes. wait. 
And a much simpler question, had he lived and continued making films, do you think Bruce Lee would ever play a villain? Wow, that's a great question. So let me let me answer those in reverse order, all right? So let's start with the, uh, the would Bruce Lee have ever played a villain question, right? And I think what? that um, that's always... That, that's the fun part is the speculation on, you know, what would have or could have been had Bruce Lee not met an untimely demise in 1973. You know, what would he have done? Would he have wanted to, you know, he, he seemed to have indicated himself uh, that he wanted to maybe move more behind the camera, become more mm -hmm. of a director, become more of a writer and you know, that would have been fine. And that would have been great uh, if he had gone that route but let's say for right. whatever reason he decided to stay uh, I, he wanted to be a film actor right uh would well, I, bruce lee I, have i think played we already touched villain? on that i think we already touched on that the terminator 2 villain would have been his his villain role right would have been a great one for him to play because uh, that version of the terminator does not need to be hulking and huge um mm -hmm. although i uh yeah probably would have been stranger to one something like that uh bruce you know uh, he would have been in his early 50s so i don't i don't know mm. like you know it's like when when we think about bruce lee and we place him in different films like the matrix or whatever we usually put that 32 year old bruce lee in in our mind's eye forgetting that these movies that we're <laughs> That we're right. making hypotheticals about came 20, 30 years after that fact, uh, after he passed away. So right, you have to right. have a more realistic idea of which version yeah, we of all fail with that one. Yeah. Right. If he's going to be in a villain like that, it needs to be like he barely has to do anything throughout the whole film. Right. Until the very end, when whoever it is that is like the, the lead guy, who's probably a massive ass kicker himself, right. comes up to this much older, like Bruce Lee. And it's like kind of like he thinks he's going to be able to just power through him. And like he can't. Like the guy's that. such a badass. And then just Bruce Lee's going to pull two kicks on him and knock him down. Right. And say something super mean to yes, him. Yes, yes. And then it's going to be right. a fight. Yeah, but you're, you're assuming – see, you're from the old school. You're from the old school <laughs> where, vi where villains had to be threatening. And right. you had to care about the uh, – a protagonist mm. and not like how things are being written nowadays, right? Where you mm. barely care about the protagonist. The, the villain is not remotely scary anymore, right? Um, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think you're right. It, he would have to be kind of framed as some kind of like supreme badass, right? Uh, what if Bruce Lee, would Bruce Lee have played a role like show enough? <laughs> Can you imagine if, if Bruce Lee was the Shogun of Harlem in The Last Dragon? What? That would be crazy fun. That would be absolutely that would be so fun. crazy. Yeah, that would be I mean, Shonuff was a fun character in, in to He's begin with. Character, yeah, and oh. and 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 the late would uh, Julius Carey or Julius McCarey. I don't remember exactly right. what his name was. He wasn't a martial artist at all. He just learned yeah. some martial arts from Ron Van Cleef for that role. Yeah, it's really interesting. Sometimes some of the coolest villains even in like martial art movies aren't even like huge martial artists themselves right mm -hmm. uh, it'd be interesting because i think bruce definitely saw himself as the hero and saw himself as the the good guy and the main guy but of course we are thinking about a uh, you know a early 30 something bruce lee we are not thinking about um you know a bruce lee who would have hopefully 
eventually matured a little bit and then maybe wouldn't have had a problem playing those roles. I don't think, Okay. I'm not sure if the 32 year old Bruce Lee would have wanted to play uh, those roles. Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting. Let's say for example, uh, it had Bruce Lee not passed away on the success of a movie like enter the dragon. Let's assume that enter the dragon was still a big success, even if Bruce didn't die, because it's hard to, to tell how much of mm-hmm. Enter the Dragon's success was the fact that, like, the main actor, you know, mysteriously passed away and that caused a lot of press for the movie. But let's assume that Enter the Dragon was a huge success despite Bruce Lee not dying. Um, All right. w- he most likely would have gotten some other roles in Hollywood. He was talking about some other roles around the time of his death. We had speculated that stuff about um, uh, Charles Bro- movies with Charles Bronson and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. That you know, what, what if, you know, uh, some big Hollywood studio um, decided like, hey, we have this great role for, for Bruce Lee and it uh, happens to be a villain, but let's say it would be a very, um, a very prominent role. Like, for example, like a Bond villain. What if Bruce Lee mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, hired to play like the next Bond villain opposite Roger Moore, right? That would be really interesting. Uh, so, um, yeah, well, like with the man with the golden gun, right. It was yeah, shot in wow. Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. And that was after that time. So, I mean, you imagine instead of, um, who, so who is, who's the villain? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Can you imagine if it was just Bruce Lee as the villain? Another Lee instead of Christopher Lee. Like that'd wow. be crazy, right? So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there, whether Bruce's ego would have been able to handle playing a villain at that stage in his career and life. I'm not sure, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe 10 years after the fact, maybe in the 80s. Uh, it's just very difficult because there's so many unknowns. I mean, that's why I prefer these kind of thought experiments to uh, constantly talking again and again about, you know, mysterious elements of Bruce Lee's life. So now back right. to the uh, Kung Fu Killer question. So mm-hmm. uh, Kung Fu Killer, the original English title uh, is was uh, Kung Fu Jungle. Um, but, you know, whenever they have an English title for the American audiences, they usually have to put in the word killer. You know, 36, cha- <laughs> 36 Chambers of Shaolin has master to become killer. the master killer, right? You have to put, like, kill or death or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Just the same way, like, in in when they title these movies in Germany, uh, they will have to put the tiger or... Uh, uh, Death Claw or something like that into the title, right? It's very funny. what? Um, yes, yeah. yeah. And, and so they go from like super cheesy to like absolutely insane. Um, they use the term <laughs> Todeskalle, which means like Death Claw in so many titles, including some, I think, some of the Bruce Lee titles when they translated German. And then also like movies like No Retreat, No Surrender. The German title is Karate Tiger, Karate Tiger. All right. So that's like, so we always laugh about death and kill being put in the title, like being put in the American or English titles of those films. But man, Uh you got to see some of the German titles of those films. Holy Shinto. Those makes me want to learn German all of a sudden. No, no. Uh, The one, the one, the one downside of being able to speak German is being able to speak German. So, um, so anyway, uh, so in, in Kung Fu Killer, uh, Don Yen's character, basically, not to give too much, I don't know, spoiler alert, whatever, for those of you who haven't seen it, 
Um, yeah. Basically, he is uh, um, Donnie Yen's character is, is is someone who's jailed for murdering or killing another uh, combatant in a challenge fight, and uh, okay. it's it's mostly cut out of the movie, but you see it in the at the end during the credits. There's like a flashback scene. You actually see the guy that Donnie Yen kills, which is the reason why he goes to jail, which is uh, Bay Logan. So he has a fight scene with Bay Logan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, wow. and, and so basically Are you he kills, kidding? He, yeah. And he kills Bay Logan in the beginning of the movie. He, he shows up and he basically <laughs> turns himself in. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, they didn't leave that in there. You only see it in uh, the flashes at the beginning and then at the end during the credits. And then, so basically you know, they have to kind of, That's, it's not exactly Silence of the Lambs, but it's kind of like they have to go to the guy who's in jail to solve a mystery of something that's happening outside. Although Donnie Yen's character is not, not quite like Hannibal Lecter or anything like that. What's yeah. funny, I was just about to ask you if I should, do you recommend this movie? Because I, oh, I, yes. I never had an interest in watching You haven't this seen movie. it? You haven't seen it? No. But oh, you would love it. You would I'm, love it. It's a must see. Oh, you have to me. see it. You have to see it. For, yeah. me, it, for me, it's kind of the last kung fu movie. Um, oh. And I know that they've made costume dramas in China and they made other kung fu movies since. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I kind of feel that Kung Fu Killer uh, or Kung Fu Jungle, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's Kung Fu Killer on most streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's also an homage to the Hong Kong stunt industry to to the hong kong stuntmen so what you see throughout the movie uh is uh cameos from all sorts of old school kung fu movie actors uh kung fu movie directors they're in there they're strewn about so if you are a hong kong movie fan especially uh action cinema you'll actually be pleasantly surprised there are constant uh, cameos. Even Raymond Chow has a cameo in it. Raymond Chow is just like in one scene where he just orders some food real quick and then walks out. And then you have like... What? Uh, uh, yeah, and then uh, Lao Kar Leung, who I believe had already passed away by the time Kung Fu Killer came out. Yeah, uh, He obviously can't cameo in the film himself, but they show like a, a scene from one of his films. So it's, mm -hmm. an, it's an... And you see a lot of old Hong Kong stuntmen kind of in there and people who are like part of the uh, Hong Kong film world uh, or martial arts film world are kind of strewn throughout the film. Wow. So it's a, it's a great thing to kind of see those guys. The action watch is today. really well done. Yeah. It's very hard hitting. It's a modern yeah. movie, but it has Chinese Kung Fu in it better than a lot of costume dramas. And basically the, the killer is, um, uh, is seeking out uh, um, defeating masters of the various, I'm not going to say disciplines because it's not specific styles. It's almost like he's trying to defeat masters of various categories of martial arts. So there's one guy who is like the um, the kicking expert. And then there's the one guy who's like the the, the grappling expert. Uh, the one guy who's uh, the uh, weapons expert. Right. And then so um, the the killer is basically picking them off one by one. But to add insult to injury he's beating them at their own game. So like the guy who's the, the kicker, the kicking expert, um, he beats that guy with kicking, right? And the guy who's the weapons expert, he beats, so it's like he's beating all these dudes at his own game, right? And so the question was, are, are these legit categories or is this just a plot device? And of course, um, the, pr the problem with these kind of, um, or giving an answer to this kind of question is that, 
almost every style of Kung Fu has mm-hmm. a self-serving definition of what Kung Fu is. They have a self-serving mm-hmm. definition of what uh, a legitimate Kung Fu style is. So if you speak to someone who is a proponent of a certain style of Kung Fu and you say, okay, what are the requirements for a style to be considered a proper or traditional style of Kung Fu? Well, the answer you're going to hear from someone who's a proponent of one particular style the answer they're going to give you is often going to be an answer that totally legitimizes their Kung Fu style and delegitimizes maybe some styles they don't like. <laughs> so they might right. say, and I'm using this as a very generic example. I'm not using this as a specific example. Um, you might have someone from a very traditional style say, well, all Kung Fu styles have to have a broad range of weapons. They have to have mm-hmm. a broad range of forms, both internal and external. And they need to have uh, methods like um, uh, not just, you know, you have like your Kung Fu methods and all your forms, you have all these weapons. And then they might also say a proper Kung Fu style also should teach the students about um, Qigong or health or um, rehabilitative, restorative exercises, that kind of stuff. And a proper Kung Fu style should also have drumming and lion dancing. Okay. Mm, So then you have a very self-serving definition and very narrow or specific definition of what a Kung Fu style should be. And then, and then of course their style has all those trappings and all those things. So they are then, when they tell you what a real Kung Fu style should have, they are also in a very sideways way showing and see the style I happen to teach happens to have all of these things that I just said <laughs> totally legitimize a style as being a real Kung Fu style. And then you have a style like, uh, for example, Shui Jiao, Chinese wrestling. All right. Uh, no, uh, I mean, some uh, of the Shui Jiao has some striking techniques, but let's just say they do mostly grappling stuff in like a gi like thing. Well, they don't teach weapons. They might not teach something like Dita or Qigong, right? They might not have mm-hmm. all these forms. So is Shui Jiao not a legitimate Kung Fu style because Sifu X says all Kung Fu styles have to have weapons, have to have this, have to have that, have to have this to be complete. So what you realize is that any definition of what Kung Fu is or internal or external or what any of these definitions mean, they are... Uh, they are automatically self-serving because the Sifu that is telling you what this definition of real Kung Fu is, is also giving you a definition that usually will legitimize their own style and often delegitimize their detractors. But, you know, really Kung Fu is a misnomer. We know that Kung Fu means achievement through hard work and time and effort. So it is, it's euphemistically become a term for Chinese martial arts, but When you say martial arts, a martial arts style could be a style that just focuses on one thing, uh, like a type of weapon, like a range of fighting, like a modality, like grappling. And some Kung Fu styles have integrated other styles and, and lots of methods in one. But the problem is that any definition is self serving. Whenever you, whenever people ask me, what is the difference between internal and external? Or what is the difference between a hard style and a soft style? That's usually the question you get from newbies. The more nuanced people are going to say internal, external. All right. Those definitions are always self-serving because you cannot even get two Tai Chi guys 
to agree on what an internal style is because on on <laughs> even on that definition you have a spectrum from okay. something more practical well internal just means that we focus more on our body mechanics and alignment and structures to overcome our opponents you have that on one side the more kind of pragmatic mm -hmm. A practical way of looking at internal style saying, okay, instead of me just tensing and trying to push, I'm going to try to use my alignment, my structure, my movements, maybe a little bit of mindfulness and breathing without getting too wooey. But then at the other end of that internal spectrum, you have people who are like talking about storing all of their power into their Dantian and then, you know, they can move you almost without even touching you. So the problem is you, you have a broad spectrum in there. So the moment if I were to say, internal styles are and then i list three characteristics uh it would be easily taken down by any tai chi bagua xing yi guy by saying well he's a wing chun guy he's not allowed to define these things and two of course what they're not going to say is none of them agree on what exactly what an internal style is people go well internal basically just means yeah that's what you're saying it means okay because the mm. moment I say this is actually a much more complicated topic than people want it to be, someone always chimes in, no, it's really simple. It's just, and then they put their dichotomy in there and it's, yes, that's how you interpret it. That's how your teacher told it to you, but walk into any other school that is an internal school and you may hear a vastly different explanation for that. And so the problem is that these are not agreed upon terms. I actually do not like these uh, distinctions like internal and external. I, I, I see them as false dichotomies. Human mm -hmm. beings like to compartmentalize and categorize things and usually always in two categories, good, bad, internal, external, them, right. us, Republicans, us, okay. Democrats. Okay. So people just want to divide as, as if somehow truth is contained in two completely opposing categories of thought. Right. Um, and so I, 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 I don't really participate in that. I think all martial arts are somewhere on a spectrum, maybe in terms of those things. And I also think that these are distinctions really without much of a difference. So mm. the question is, okay, is there, are these really hard categories? Well, yes. I mean, these are categories within Chinese martial arts. Some martial arts emphasize kicking more, some weapons more, some this more, some that more. I don't really know of any martial artists besides some village style Chinese Kung Fu martial artists that really just practice one thing. When you go into the countryside, uh, you might find a guy who learns a, a weapon from his uncle. Okay. Yeah, like, right. like, like Kwando. And he didn't learn anything else. He just knows that. But that's and just he's because master at it, and he's so hmm. good at it. But he like doesn't know any fist forms, for example, right? So okay. I wouldn't necessarily say that that is orthodox because normally uh, a martial arts style has a few elements integrated. It would be very rare to have a Chinese kung fu style that only does one thing. Exceptions like Shui uh, Jiao, for example, Chinese wrestling. Uh, or um, certain styles of Tai Chi that only focus on internal movement. There, there are styles of Tai Chi that have weapons, in, uh, not just the straight sword, but even like spear and stuff like that. But that's not all Tai Chi styles. So again, it's okay. very difficult to categorize. I think it would be cool. There is something cool about Kung Fu Killer, this idea that you have all these different Kung Fu brothers 
who are like specialized in these one styles. It's it's something harkens back a little bit to like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like, you know, oh, where you wow. have these different people who kind of like can do these different things. But I think in reality, most Chinese martial art practitioners generally learn a few different styles, even in Wing Chun. I have a few different skills, I should say, not styles. Even in Wing Chun, we only have two weapons, but we still have two weapons, right? And we do punching, kicking, close range, anti-grappling, this kind of stuff. So we have a relatively integrated way of doing it, but we don't specialize in every type of fighting. We don't specialize in every type of weapon. And so, um, yeah, it is perhaps a little bit of a plot device, but that is a Really, really great question. Love the questions we get from Sifu Brian Cuddle. By the way, if you wow. don't already, Sifu Brian Cuddle's got a great YouTube channel um, where he gives lots of tips and shows lots of videos on how to do stuff. So if you Kung Fu heads out there want to like learn like, how do I spin a broadsword or how do I spin two broadswords or like how do I use mm -hmm. a spear or whatever, like Sifu Brian Cuddle has tons of videos where he just shows you like, three to five minute, 10 minute videos where he shows you how to do Kung Fu-y stuff that even if you're not in a particular style, but you just want to learn how to spin this or do this or use a fan or use a spear, you can go to his channel and learn all sorts of cool stuff. I've learned tons cool of things. stuff, All right, tons of stuff from his channel. So uh, <laughs> nice. yeah, all right, what, what else you got for me, Dre? Let's see. Next up, we got, uh, just got to scroll real quick. <laughs> no. Baterna, uh -huh. Noel Baterna. All right. Okay. I've been a listener for the past year or so now. And while not being a Wing Chun practitioner myself, I find your podcasts immensely entertaining, informational, and insightful. Okay. I don't have a particular episode to reference as this topic has been discussed in more than one, but when it comes up, you often, and understandably so, show apprehension whenever it comes to the idea of a modern Bruce Lee movie, be it a <laughs> biopic or remake of one of his movies. In your opinion, what do you feel would it take to create an ideal, satisfactory, modern Bruce Lee movie, whether it be a biopic or remake? Or do you feel such movies should just not be attempted at this point? Thanks for all you do in the martial arts community and keeping it real. Mikey and Dre wishing you fellas well. Oh, thanks, brother. All right, Smiley that's, face. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, uh, we've discussed this many times before. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. right now we are... Uh, um, I'm not going to say eagerly awaiting because I'm not awaiting it at all. <laughs> Yet another <laughs> biopic about Bruce Lee, this time directed by Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, one director, Ang Lee, starring mm -hmm. his son, Mason, as Bruce Lee. Looks nothing like Bruce Lee, from what I could tell, is not a martial artist. <laughs> and, um, you know, Man. so they definitely kind of reeks of nepotism. Um, well, I mean, wow. look. It, it, these studios, they have to create a product that's going to sell. Their their job is to make money. Their job is not to appease, in this case, the Bruce Lee snobs who are going to mm -hmm. hate it anyway, right? The, the, the Oliver Stone film, The Doors, did really well. But um, have you ever discussed that film with a legitimate fan of Jim Morrison and The Doors? 
I mean, if if, if some if someone is actually a real fan of that genre, I remember I I found out about the Doors uh, because of that movie. I watched that movie and I I thought it was amazing. It was like it introduced me to like this whole rock and roll culture of the '60s. Uh, when I was very young. And then the first thing I did after I saw the movie The Doors is I bought a biography about Jim Morrison and The Doors only to find out, oh, yeah, this is, the real story wasn't, there were elements in the movie that were true, but like there was so much yeah. more and it was so much more interesting. And I read like this, I think the, the, the biography was called No One Here Gets Out of yeah. Gets Out Alive, right? It's a bit yeah. thick paper. I read that like a month after I saw the movie, The Doors. And that was the mm -hmm. first time where I, where as a child, I was like, I think biopics are not always 100% truthful, right? <laughs> so, um, and then I saw Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. And I was like, okay. Uh, I liked it. It was inspiring because I thought as a kid, but I also knew right off the bat, there were things in there that were not correct. There were things in there that were not accurate. Like, mm -hmm. That's the moment when you realize that biopics were right, and and then and then later I you know became perhaps one of the most uh, fervent critics of Dragon the Bruce Lee story. So so the thing is that it, it it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to ask me this question. All right, I'm a mm -hmm. slightly above average Bruce Lee fan, just slightly. There are people I know people who are way bigger Bruce Lee fans than I am, uh, way more maniac. But, but um. Uh, people always go, yeah, but how would they make the ideal Bruce Lee biopic or or film about Bruce Lee or whatever? And I go, well, I, I don't really think you can. All right. I, I like uh, Bruce Lee, my brother, uh, which right. came out in 2010 uh, ish, which was basically his story of his time growing up at home. I had the privilege of watching this one. Yeah. It was yeah. Great. And I think it's good. People didn't like it because it's so weird. You make a grossly inaccurate film about Bruce Lee's life, like Dragon the Bruce Lee story, right? And people are like, eh, it wasn't accurate. The Bruce Lee fans are like, eh, it wasn't accurate. Uh, there were so many things that were wrong. Totally get it. Totally with you on that. Then you make a slightly more dramatic, realistic take on Bruce Lee's life, like Bruce Lee, my brother, which was a very accurate take on his early childhood. Um, and people complained that there wasn't enough action as if Bruce Lee's life was an action movie. And then, and then that, that was the right. moment where I go like, well, th there's some little issues with, with uh, Bruce Lee, my brother, but on the whole, it's a very solid and very serviceable biography and film about Bruce Lee's early mm -hmm. life. People are like, eh, it wasn't an action movie, but it, it showed you how he had met Sekin, the actor who played, uh, Han and Enter the Dragon when he was a child. And so it's almost like they were cameos of Bruce Lee's life that would you would make reference to later as a real Bruce Lee fan, kind of the seeds were planted in that movie. And I go, you're a Bruce Lee fan and you didn't get that movie because it wasn't an action movie. And they even had a big fight scene at the end to kind of make it a little bit of an action movie. So they kind of did give the audience that, but, it, but Bruce Lee doesn't start learning Wing Chun until like the the third act of the movie and people right. are like Whoa, well guess what bruce lee didn't start learning wing chun until like the third act of his time in hong kong before he went to the states he did not learn wing chun for that long so mm -hmm. um you know even when you have a serviceable biopic like uh you know bruce lee my brother uh even some legitimate fans still shit on it for for all the reasons why 
they uh, for for reasons that are solved that film, but were not solved in other films. So I go like, okay, well, we did have that thing. All right. So would you prefer that every biopic is something like Birth of the Dragon? You know, like that horrific bullshit uh, with Philip. Mm, like, do you want everyone to be that one instead? Um, because I, I can't even bring myself <laughs> to watch that film. Um, so, so, so that, so I kind of feel that there is one. It's Bruce Lee, my brother. I think that that's the best one. And uh, I, I don't think that you can make a serviceable biopic about Bruce Lee because I don't think that in an hour and a half or two hours you can give his story justice. Um, I think the best thing would be now, of course, no one is going to put the money to do this because this is solely for fans. All right. But I think that you get, you get a very good document. Like, did you see the Netflix documentary night stalker on Netflix? It was about Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, the serial killer in Los Angeles. Yes. That was so masterfully done. All right. Or you get someone like Ken Burns, but that could be a little overkill for, you know, Ken Burns does those crazy <laughs> deep dives on things like the Vietnam War. You get like okay. a very masterful documentarian, either the I, guy, I, I'm sorry, yeah, I don't remember I, his name, the, the guy who did uh, the Night Stalker, or you get someone uh-huh. like Ken Burns. And There's a few Ted- of those. Yeah, those Netflix documentaries that are so captivating. I, yes, I, I feel yes, like yes. They just, boom, they nail it. Yeah, yeah. So you get you get a director of one of those. Like my, mm-hmm. I don't remember his name, but I think the guy who did the Night Stalker. He just did another one, uh, for Netflix. You get that guy. He did one. Yeah. Uh, he did the one. The, uh, there's one coming out if it's not out already about Waco, uh, about the whole Waco oh, Texas out. thing. Yeah, it's that's out. done by the same guy who did Night Stalker. So you get that guy wow. to do a ten episode deep dive in Bruce Lee warts and all not shying away from controversies but also not trying to just make it controversial for it you show like the legit challenges bruce lee had you showed how he overcame that you show the complicated relationship he had with various people and you tell it in a really realistic story in a really realistic and honest kind of way i think that's the way to do it i think biopics are always going to just by the nature of um that medium are always going to fall short because you don't have enough time in a in a movie to give Bruce Lee's life any justice, which is why I think Bruce Lee, my brother, did really well because it was like a two-hour movie, but it only told about his childhood up until 18. It didn't go into his time in the States or becoming a complicated right. uh, person when he okay. became a movie star. It just told this one thing, and because it was contained in a period of his life, that's also, I think, why that movie did so much better than the other, uh, you know, the other handful of films that attempted to, uh, like, Dragon the Bruce Lee story or some of those um, out, Bruce yeah. Lee exploitation films, tried to do the whole thing in one movie. Um, and you know, it's it's, but it's also where Birth of the Dragon could have done well because it just tells about this thing between him and Wong Jack Man. If it wasn't such fantasist serial bullshit, and uh, and just piffle i can't sit and watch something like that pretend wong jack man was a shaolin monk as if that was a thing in the 60s i mean get get Mm. get the hell out of here that's a bunch of hot nonsense so um so anyway what else you got for me dre okay uh do we have time for a short one or a long one 
What, what, long we got form, time. Short Whatever form. you got. Whatever you got. If you give me a long All ass right. question, I can give it a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. You give me a short right, question, I can give it a long answer. This all depends. Got it. Next up, we got Joseas Vertiz. All right. Okay. Joseas Vertiz, literally three questions. Okay. okay. Literally what he says in the first. If you don't mind, and if you have already talked about this, then you can skip the questions. I probably haven't seen the video yet where you mentioned the subject. Okay. Mm -hmm. Give him that. All right. Sure. Why do you have three different logos or images connected to your, to you or your style or school? Looks like you have the white silhouette of a guy doing the hand movements on blue and red background, like the basketball logo. Then you have one for your school that's a yellow or gold circle on a black background. Then you have this one for these videos that is beardy. Well, I mean, I guess it's not. It's you doing a kick. Oh, I like that one. That's that's the one. Uh, I know someone. I know the person that came up with that. Anyway, yeah. why do you choose the name City Wing Chun? Is this another Why question or is City? this all the same oh, question? This is this is two. This is question two. Do you okay, let me answer the let me answer the first question first? Yeah. Right. Otherwise, got uh, my short-term memory, you know, we have this little RAM uh, <laughs> in your computer, all right, and yes. then you've exceeded it. It's like I will yeah. I'm already starting uh, to forget no. the beginning of the question. Um got it. Well, I have three different logos because I have three different enterprises. Uh we have um the City Wing Chun Athletic Association, that is my association. Uh, that is the guy, you know, like the NBA style logo with says City Wing Chun Athletic Association, which is obviously an homage to the Wing Chun Athletic Association founded by Grandmaster Yip Man. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I use Wing Chun, a uh, City Wing Chun Athletic Association because I like the term athletic association over, you know, uh, martial arts school or fist study or whatever the typical Chinese terms are, because I feel that... Um, studying a physical culture like Wing Chun uh, can have so many great benefits for the people who practice it. You have obviously martial benefits, self-defense, but there's, you know, movement, mobility, yeah. self-confidence. There's a philosophical aspect. There's uh, um, a training aspect to it. So because there's so many yeah. things you can get from the training, um, I, I like to use this kind of broad term of athletic association, kind of like being a, a part like, of the Mm -hmm. And being a part of the athletic association personally makes me feel like an athlete, which I've never <laughs> felt like in my life. Right. Martial athlete, right? So, yeah. so the City Wing Athletic Association, that is that is the logo. Oh, we got to pause. That happens, that happens sometimes. Uh, the City yeah. Wing Chun Athletic Association is the umbrella for all the schools that are under me from it's kind of my international face right um mm -hmm. that's why that logo is on the back of all of our shirts that's our so that's the association i founded the roundel with the city wing chun with the empire state building that is the logo for my school the original school the one that i founded here in new york so um, right. what i do that's different from some of my other wing chun colleagues who have their own association is the City Wing Chun Athletic Association, that is the association for which 
all of our students and instructors are a part of. But I allow all of my schools to create their own school logo. That's not really something that a lot of um, Wing Chun organizations allow their students to do. Normally, if so, if you open a school under an association, you have to use the association logo also as the name of your school. So, for example, it would be like City Wing Chun Miami or City Wing Chun Ohio or City Wing Chun Los Angeles, right? Um, right. But I, I, I don't do that. I allow my students who run schools to come up with their own name and their own logo, and they can put that in the front of the shirt, but on the back you have the association logo is like the association that you're part of, right? So uh, City Wing Chun with the Empire State Building, that is that is the logo for my own personal school here in New York, but the association mm -hmm. logo is the logo for everyone else. And this, uh, this me kick, it's funny, I wore this shirt today, not realizing that would be a question. Um, <laughs> this is the logo for the podcast. And I, I think sometimes it's difficult for people to understand that um, the podcast is not City Wing Chun. Um, obviously, we talk about City Wing Chun because it's the school. It's my main point of reference. And, you know, from time to time, I will announce uh, events that I have here or things that I have going on in the school. But this the Kung Fu Genius podcast is not primarily a, um, a euphemism for City Wing Chun's promotional wing. I'm not doing this mm -hmm. and going like, hey, guys, train at City Wing Chun. Now let me talk about Bruce Lee for five minutes, train at City Wing Chun. Now let me talk about, you know, uh, the, the, you know, Kung Fu movies, train at City Wing Chun, right? So right. I, I want, I wanted, because I think that that would have been a little bit cheap if, uh, yeah, obviously I advertise my books on my own podcast and, and stuff like that, but I, I'm not constantly telling should. people, I'm not constantly telling people like, hey, my school's the only school you want to learn from or come to my school or whatever. So City Wing Chun, the City Wing Chun Athletic Association has it's a separate entity from the Kung Fu Genius podcast. So uh, if I put the City Wing Chun logo on the corner of this, then so is this the City Wing Chun podcast where I'm only going to be talking about City Wing Chun school related issues? No, I want to talk about all sorts of things that are about Kung Fu movies, history, other, you know, other Kung Fu styles outside of Wing Chun, all that kind of stuff, training, all these things, and have some general the death discussion. of <laughs> Never. Uh, and and this is far be and this is far beyond the scope. I mean, if if I had City Wing Chun logo on the corner of my podcast, I, I would feel that that was a little on the cheap side. It has to be a separate identity. So, KFG Podcast is the KFG Podcast. City Wing Chun Athletic Association is my association. City Wing Chun with the round L is my school. That's it. These are three uh, separate identities. All right. So, what's the second question? Okay, number two. Why did you choose the name City Wing Chun? Why City? Isn't that too broad and simple or confusing? Why not more specific like what city? New York or whatever. Is that so no matter what city you're in, it's always true? Imagine someone with a school called State Kung Fu. What school do you train at? Oh, I'm a student at the Village Martial Arts. Why not Richter Wing Chun? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, it's weird. I've been teaching for 20 years, and this subject has never come up. Everyone's like, oh, that's a slick, nice, short name, right? Because uh -huh. when you look at the names of most Kung Fu schools, Green Dragon Kung Fu School, you know, Twin Dragons Wing Chun Death Squad School. Like people yeah. always want to put all this really hokey kung fu shit into the mm -hmm. titles. Dragons 
all this kind of stuff. And I just find Koala Kai. Koala Kai, right? Yes, exactly, right? Snake food, death dragon, tiger, mauling (laughs) style, right? And I just find, well, uh, if you have words like fist in your title, you know, dragon fist Wing Chun, for example, or golden fist Wing Chun, or whatever fist Mm -hmm. Wing Chun, right? That that logo right there. Unicorn fist Wing Chun, whatever it is, right? (laughs) Um, right. I, I think people don't realize how hokey that sounds to the average person who doesn't know anything about martial arts. When you look at the, the martial arts schools that are the most successful, uh, whether it's a karate, kung fu, jiu-jitsu, whatever, um, they often have a very easily easy-to-remember name, which doesn't have a lot of fooey hot nonsense in it. You will never mm. see a nation chain of, you know... Uh, dragon death fist kung fu you know what i mean you you won't see that because the average person that doesn't know anything about martial arts looks at that and goes like what a bunch of hokey shit the person who actually <laughs> need who actually needs martial arts the person mm-hmm. who's lacking self-confidence and they see the word fist or even just weird stuff like dragon or whatever or fight in the title that can actually be off-putting to them because they're like, Ugh, they don't know that, right? And using too many Chinese terms, right? Like if you have, you know, if you decide to call your uh, Wing Wing Chun, like, you know, Wai Tao Wing Chun Kun or something like that, right? Then, yeah, then uh, are people looking at a Chinese menu? People don't know what they're talking about. So the thing is you need something easy and recognizable. Um, I feel that Wing Chun became most famous when it left the country and went to the city, as in from Fatsan to Hong Kong. Because now suddenly you take something that was from the countryside and was relatively obscure and you expose it to the bright lights of the city. And what happens when you do this? Well, if you have a good product, which we say like Wing Chun was a good product, it came to Hong Kong, they were able to show through challenge matches, mostly through the efforts of people like Wong Sun Leung, that Wing Chun is a very good style and they could kind of show it. And this is because Wing Chun went to the city. And then what happens then? It can make a name, but it also needs to develop to stay with the times, all right? The styles that are out in the countryside teaching one or two students that are not exposed to other styles, challenging it, testing it, other ideas that are kind of cross-pollinating. They, they, they don't develop at the same rate as martial arts that kind of had to go into the city and deal with the cool bright lights of exposure. So I feel that there's something about the modern development of martial arts coming to bigger places like a city. So there's something that, and the city for me is Hong Kong or New York, city Wing Chun. I don't teach the Wing Chun from a Qing era countryside. I teach the more modern uh, approach that was kind of forged through the cool light of modernity in the city. So there's kind of a, uh, um, an evolutionary idea behind city Wing Chun, right? right. Um, but truthfully, when I coined the name, I knew that all, all successful martial arts schools had short names. They didn't have mm-hmm. these super long names. You had like, for example, to, to look at like a, a karate example, Sadokan, all right? That's like the biggest karate school in New York. You know it by Sadokan, all right? Now, mm-hmm. they can use a Japanese name because they've been established for so long and everyone in New York knows that name. No one knows that name in Ohio, but everyone knows that name here. 
So you could say oh, Sado Ohio. Bread. Yeah, but 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 the, you know that it has like locally, it's got a brand. That's why they can go with the more uh, aesthetic, or, or uh, I should say, um, uh, the more esoteric name. But that yeah. is only local, right? And that is a correct. But it's got one simple name. Then you have like others, like Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you have other schools that, you know, uh, such and such Taekwondo, or you have Studio This, or whatever. They all have these short, kind of catchy names. So I didn't want it to be, you know, this long, convoluted name. When I was in the association, in Learning Tanks Association, we actually weren't even really supposed to have names for our schools that branded us separate from Learning Tank. Um, we were actually, wow. according to the rule book, uh, the Learning Tanks organization was International Wing Chun Association, IWTA, just like my city Wing Chun Athletic Association. And we were supposed to be International Wing Chun Association, such and such branch. So I was supposed to be the International Wing Chun Association, New York branch. That's supposed to be my name. But I can't go like, um, yeah, you want to come to my school? It's the International Wing Chun Association, New York branch. All right. You see like this, because that, that again, is just such a convoluted Ouch. hot mess, but it's got all oh. the words you want, but no one, you can't say that. And if you try to turn that into an acronym, I-W-T-A, um, like, become like, who's going to say that? Right. So I just called my school nib. city Wing Chun, but originally, although, right. Although originally... Um, you know, I, I didn't have all these ideas about city and modernity that kind of developed over time. I put it mm -hmm. in there because right when I opened my school, it was the tail end of phone books still being a thing. And you always want wow. to be alphabetically before all your competitors. And all the other Wing Chun schools were Wing Chun New York, Wing Chun Chinatown, Wing Chun. They were all in the W's. I put mine in C. So if you were in alphabetical order, my school Genius. would come first. Yes. Genius. So, so actually, it, it's it's really nothing more than that. But it's funny that yeah. we get this comment. Like, isn't that confusing? <laughs> it's like, I've been teaching for 20 years. And in the local martial arts, so you say City Wing Chun. People go, oh, yeah, the Alex Richter, Midtown, maybe, you know, former Lungton guy. They, they make that. It's like. It, would I still have that if if I had gone with International Wing Chun Association New York branch, or worse yet, Richter Wing Chun? Put my stupid name in front of a great tradition like Wing Chun. Okay, oh, we no. have this long history through China. You know all this great masters, Han Ma Sun, Yip Man, Lang Ting, all these people. Richter Wing Chun, like mm, one of these things is not like the other, right? Um, plus, and I just, plus Richter's all the way down in the, at the bottom of the phone book. Yeah, but it also just sounds stupid. Who wants to train at Richter Wing Chun? I don't want to train at Richter Wing Chun. No, City Wing Chun is simple. It's straightforward. Yeah. And people know my name All right, when, when, when you say that in, in a way that if it was Dragon Fist, whatever, right? And he, mm. and he kind of tried to downplay it. What if you called it Village Kung Fu or whatever? Well, like if you're in the East Village, you'd probably do all right. <laughs> like actually, if one of my students open a school in the East Village or Greenwich Village, oh, yeah. I would say, dude, call it Village Wing Chun, right? Because no one cares about the phone book anymore anyway, right? Actually, that is mm. a good name. But put Dragon, Kung Fu, Flying, Green, Red, Black Fist, whatever, like somewhere strewn in with Kung Fu terms. And you just, you know, making a Kung Fu word salad as your name doesn't mean people go, oh, he's got Dragon and Red and Fist in it. Must be a good place to train. No, 
you need the place you can remember. All right. And uh, was there a third question? There is a third question. Are you ready for the third question, Sifu? I guess, yes. When, when, when you trained at the castle, mm -hmm. was it an actual castle that was being used as a training facility, a building constructed to look like a castle, or was it just named the castle kind of like White Castle? Yeah, it was just like actually I learned Wing Chun at White Castle. We got a every every time we had a, a cheese outbreak, we would eat little slider uh, hamburgers. That was it. Uh, no, I did. Um, I did two yeah. episodes on um, on the castle training at the castle mm -hmm. in Germany, Langensel Castle, uh, yeah. back in season one. Uh, right? We have yeah, I think castle castle. Yes. No, we did two. I, we did. I didn't touch on it. We did Castle Stories one. And I think we did Castle Stories yep. two. I think we have two. Uh, two episodes which are dedicated to that. Yeah, it was an actual castle. Yeah, I was training there all the time. I'd just like to say, I love the fact that Dre forgot that we did two whole episodes on the castle. If, Dre, no, I, if, the if, if Dre had remembered that we did two whole episodes about the castle, that would be the thing that would shock me. Not the <laughs> fact that he forgot. We did two dedicated episodes to my training at the castle where I told all sorts of crazy stories, so right? touched on it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you touched on it a couple touched times. On First it. of all, not of only do we have two dedicated episodes for it, I mean, how many times has the subject of me training at Langensel come up? It's come up often, right? right? So, uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, Germany has castles. So Germany does not have White Castle. And uh, so <laughs> if someone says they trained at a castle in Europe, um, is a higher Chances chance are. that they might I be an actual castle. If someone said mm. that they trained at a castle in the States, there's a very high chance that it was in fact a white castle. Uh, so cool. So that's a slightly shorter episode for us today. Um, we're going to go back to our regular feature length ones once we get our schedules all in. The next episode mm -hmm. is going to be a live episode for our Patreons, um, but that episode will be released for our regular viewers and listeners as well. It'll just be there a week earlier for our Patreons, and our Patreons will be allowed to join on that live stream. So I had a really good time. Somewhat shorter episode than normal, but I think it was to the point. We had some really good questions, and I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, all right, Dre, I'll see you in a couple days. So that's everything from I'll us. I'll see all right, guys, you next time. Next time. And every day I practice martial arts. <laughs> 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 <laughs>